I'm Riker, and this is Pilot. Blessed be the fruit. Ugh, may the Lord open. <laughs> may the Lord open your womb. Yeah, I hate that. That's yeah. so gross. You're going to fill it with a with nope. a large litter of spawn. So we just uh, watched Handmaid's Tale. We did. Hulu original. Yeah. I think it's the only Hulu original that anybody's say. ever watched. Mm, so I think... I think that Hulu did the thing that Netflix does where they buy something and then kind of call it their, you know, their original. Like, because I know that they took Mindy Project. I was going to say the Mindy Project. Mm -hmm. That's the only other one that I know for sure was an original that I Well, (laughs) they did one with uh, Jesse Pinkman. Yeah. Um, What's his name? The guy who plays him? Crickets. Crickets, crickets, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not your gal for those things. I'm sorry. Dang. Oh, that was that, even that we put in the trivia category. See, I told you, you always ask me for these random trivia things, and I can never give the answer. So now I have like this need to research before, even though that's not what we do. Well, and then I don't know. That's probably not one you would have been prepared for. No, that's <laughs> why you do this to me, Hankman. Played by Aaron Paul. Dang it. And I should know. He's an Idaho native. He's a local boy. He's a homie. We're all very proud of him. Oh, yeah. That's true. You can't. Yeah. Every time he goes to a restaurant, I one of my server friends texts me and says, Aaron Paul came in today. Yes. And I always go like, Fucking whatever, guys. Like, so what? Big deal. And I think, was I should have been there. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Clearly you missed out. Like, I can't believe I haven't run into him at a Walmart or Somewhere. And all this time. Well, I probably did back in the day. Well, and McCall's the happening place for 4th of July in Idaho, as you know. Yes. And there was a year where there was word that he was going to be there at, you know, at Payette Lake. And so it was the busiest year that I've ever seen. That Weren't you and I both in McCall that year, actually? I feel like that's the time that we, you guys gave me a ride. Oh, that could have been. I didn't. I wasn't familiar with Breaking Bad yet. Really? Oh. Yeah. So yeah, you were possibly uh, able to meet him and and did not do that I've thing. I've probably cause... seen him nine times. Probably <laughs> seen him at the fair. Probably seen him at Walmart. At yeah. the other Walmart. There are multiple Walmarts. You yeah. make it sound like we're a podunk place. There are all of the Walmarts. Well, here. there are two that I go to, and then oh, yeah. the one on Ten Mile occasionally when I am over there and need to blow an hour. Yeah. Yeah, good time killer. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've brought girls on dates to Walmart before. Yeah, you and I have hung out at Walmart before. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. That was when we first got to know each other, I yep. think, too. You're yeah. like, come shopping with me. I'm like, that's kind of a weird thing to do with your new friend. <laughs> but sure, we'll do that. I needed to go to Walmart. Yeah. I figured you probably needed something from Walmart also. I always find something I need at Walmart. Exactly my point. Sponsored by Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Bring. <laughs> Is that their thing? No, that's the thing that we do when we cut to a sponsored by. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yep. Nope, that happens every week. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not sponsored by Walmart, but yeah. god darn, we should be. Mm. We'll keep looking. At this rate. I think we can do better. <laughs> oh, well, there goes our Walmart endorsement. <laughs> Thanks for that. Okay, well. Chicken doors closed on opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> Rolling back prices all the way to zero because we're big zeros here. 
Um, right. Yeah, we just watched Handmaid's Tale, and I feel gross. How about you? Yeah, I felt smarmy through most of it. Yeah, there wasn't a part where I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is good. I feel hope. Like, not really. This was not. This was where hopes go to die. This is the gross. graveyard for hope. It's already dead. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's been dead yeah. a while. Yeah. There's, yep. a, there's like a thousand tombstones, uh, and everybody's named Hope. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there was a movie, I'm going to tell you right now. A 1990 movie. I watched the trailer while you were in 1990? the 1990? Mm-hmm. Oh, That's my okay. birth year. <laughs> and it's honestly, like, you haven't seen all of it, so I don't want to, like, spoil it. Have you seen the movie? Let me yes. with that. They seem to, in many parts, stay pretty true to the movie from the trailer that I saw. There, there were big sweeping movements that are very similar. So I saw the movie, I would say, in about 2002. Okay. So I would have been about 12. Sure. And How uh, did you take it at that age? I, that's, thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt cheesy at the time. I oh. remember I watched it with my dad. Possibly my mom was there also. My dad was cracking jokes through the whole thing. I Now I look back and I realize, oh, this was probably not really uh, child appropriate. No. I mean, we got to the end of the mo- uh, the show and it and the next episode started playing, excuse me, the next episode started playing and mm-hmm. said the following presentation is rated TVMA. And I thought, yeah, and I don't think I'm A enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> M Oh, the whole thing. That's what I thought. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. I'm not M.A. I thought, I don't think I'm mature enough for this. Uh, and so that being the case, at 12 years old, my dad wouldn't have been mature enough for it either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I don't know if he was... Uh, it felt a little campy at the time. Yeah, looking at the trailer, it just didn't have the same gravitas as this did. Right. It, it was a B-movie. Mm-hmm. Very much a B-movie. I remember it had Robert Duvall and I think the woman from Just Shoot Me. Did you, did you see it? Okay. Yeah, I did not I did not recognize anyone on it from Just Shoot Me, so I'm going to say preemptively no. Uh, oh, but, you know, I'm always wrong. So It would have been the main girl. Yeah, she um, didn't look familiar. Unless, I mean... No, it wasn't her at all. Yeah, I was going to say, it was 1990. People looked different back then. But I know, I recognized the um, guy who plays what I would assume to be basically Nick in the movie. <laughs> okay. Um, like that role. And um, I recognized him. Don't remember his name, but he was in Practical Magic with Sandra Bullock. Oh, I love that movie. Me too. So yeah, good. Great. Uh, okay, so no, it wasn't her. It's some other woman I've never seen before um, outside of that movie. Opinions, not trivia. Right, yeah. And my opinion was she looked like the girl from Just Shoot Me, which she totally doesn't. Yeah. Um, I knew immediately it wasn't her. There's nothing like her. Her and an old Robert Duvall back when Robert Duvall had only been old recently. Sure. Mm Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. I remember we watched it. We enjoyed it. I remember some old lady in the movie saying, blessed be the fruit, Um, which didn't she didn't have like the right affect that somebody in this show would have had where you would have just had sort of a higher expectation of quality. So I remember, (laughs) I remember it pretty well. I don't remember anything that was in it, but I like, I remember the experience of watching it pretty well. I remember enjoying it. I remember when they made a movie, a a TV show about it. I thought, Oh, that's cool that somebody else saw that movie too. And apparently um, that's, Probably how it's not known best from the movie. No. It's known from the book, which I'm not that familiar with. Yeah, by Margaret Atwood. Uh, yes. Peggy? 
Peggy Atwood. No, I found out from my grandma, Margaret, Grandma Margaret, if you're my cousins. Um, and, uh, uh, Peggy is short for Margaret. Yeah, I was like, hmm, Peggy. Yeah. Interesting. Peggy, which now was the character that the handmaid uh, in this movie, mm-hmm. this show, keep doing that, sorry, was best known for in Mad Men. I was going to say, I thought you were confusing your names and like throwing stuff around all crazy like, but yeah, Peggy. No, yeah, Who's I mean, I'm not really focusing directional here but uh yeah i couldn't believe that margaret goes by peggy for short back in the day yeah interesting uh my grandma'd never go for that tell you what tell you what yeah i'm not a fan of being called peggy i don't know i've just never heard it seen anybody try i would never try it'd scare the shit out of me i'm not gonna try that now i worked with a jennifer who forbade anyone to call her jenny she's like i'm not a jenny no 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 like i think the song ruined it for her what's the song Eight six seven five three zero oh, nine. nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kidding. I knew what it was. I was just hoping you'd give me the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because <laughs> you didn't get a sing. Yeah. No. I know. It's because this is too dark and depressing. And, it is. And you know, music makes people feel good. Which I think leads well into genre. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot what we were doing. No, here. you're good. <laughs> um. So it was a long way of saying I, I had some familiarity with yeah. the source material um, through the movie that mm-hmm. I saw a long time ago. Uh, it was, you know, not probably this quality even by that standard. I, I remember it feeling like a B movie at the time. Yeah. Um, so this was watching this now. Um, man, I I walked away with good feelings about having watched that other movie, uh, the, you know, the movie of Handmaid's Tale. Uh, I walk away of, from this, and I rem- it was just a fun night of watching a movie with mm-hmm. my parents. Um, and then I look at this and think, wow, what a different experience. Yeah. That was gross. Yeah, it actually depressed me for a little bit. Because, you know, I binge a series, mm-hmm. so I kind of experienced it all basically in a couple of sittings. And it definitely leaves you walking away with a little bit of almost a trauma response. Like, it's dark, it's gross, it makes you feel violated. Like, just even in this episode, like, I felt violated on her behalf. It was gross. Well, and then there's this enslavement aspect to mm-hmm. it where, you know, people just aren't free. Yeah. And they're not free to, to be. They're not free to be who, you know, their actual identity. Mm-hmm. They go by these, you know, um, their handmade names. Yeah. Of Fred. So Alfred. Um, so it was, <laughs> you know, when you watch people... Or a presentation in which, well, we'll, we got a lot more to say about it. Let's talk about genre. Sure. Because I'm going to make this point through this part of our discussion. Um, What's the genre? Sure. I would say it's a dark take on a dystopian totalitarian future Mm -hmm. of a patriarchal society. Very patriarchal. I was less specific. Um, I said it's a dystopian future. Yeah. You know that. I mean, you don't necessarily know that just from the opener, but certainly by the um, scene after the, after the opener, which mm-hmm. is a dramatic uh, car accident in yeah. which they're run off the road by the eye, we could say. Possibly, yeah. I mean, they're they're being pursued, so we mm-hmm. don't see the vehicle. That we just know that they're being chased. Mm-hmm. Um, probably, pers- you know, fleeing to a border is what I had assumed before they confirmed that they were trying to head to Maine. Um, yeah. So, and do we know at this point in the show, we don't know what the 
map of the world looks like. Mm-mm. Sounds like they talk about the war in Florida. The war efforts are going well in Florida. Yeah. So it sounds like America is probably at a civil war. Um, this is after the pandemic of infertility. Yes. Um, or even during. Oh, good point. Uh, in response to the pandemic mm-hmm. of infertility. Yes. Uh, and yeah. and it would seem, based on the discussions that two characters have later, that you know there's still freedom in Canada. That maybe different parts of the world responded differently, and different mm-hmm. states responded differently. And uh, this, wherever we're at, uh, was the patriarchal response. It was a hyper religious response, um, and it was a very traditional, like be, being a very, but not only a very traditional, you know, roles. But a very um, orthodox and verbatim interpretation. You know, if my if I can't remember the line exactly, uh, but if my line if my eye offends you, then cast cast my eye out. Yeah, hang on, I've got the actual quote. Hang on, it is if my right eye offends thee, pluck it out. And then Moira continues to say, "We're breeding stock. You don't need eyes for that." Right. Um, meaning they're able to disfigure the handmaid because she's just there as a breeder. Yeah. Like make a, make an example out mm-hmm. of them. Fear so, is the way that you're containing them. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Not to, we're going to get it all, but we're yeah. jumping around just enough, um, for me to want to get back to exactly where we're at, which was on <laughs> genre. Yeah. So, uh, dystopian future, so much is clear. Now, yeah. of what we of what we know, um, they, do we know what state they're in? No, okay. I don't think that they made that clear. Do they ever? Not as far as I know. I don't think it's irrelevant. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea is that it's obviously the United States or was, yeah. um, but that it is so badly disfigured that we have no idea where we are now. Right, and it could be anywhere. Mm-hmm. Could um, be. Yeah, it could be any state in the country, uh, and the the world is. Probably at war. Of course, this is going to be a lot of propaganda going on now. Um, so it's it's um, it's a hellish time. Uh, wherever we are, they have created this sort of facade of like the, it's if it's like Mayberry. You know, it feels like it's this nice antiseptic, clean town mm-hmm. uh, where basically um, it's a it, you know it, they present it like a town without sin. Yeah, well, and, you know, they you get it kind of in their description of Martha's, you know, when the gal, oh, what is her name? Rita. Rita is making bread. They said it's a return to traditional values, mm-hmm. which I think is a big theme in this, right. is that they're really trying to show a return to traditional values where the man was the, you know, head of the house and the women were subservient. You know, there's another quote that I'm going to pull out really quick, um, which is, blessed are the meek, dear. Mm-hmm. So women are supposed to be quiet, subservient. You don't, you don't get a talk. Having an opinionated woman is not acceptable in this society. Right. So we start with the car chase. Uh, the car gets driven off the road. The Sorry, really quick before we move on, because I feel like we're kind of moving into characters here in just a moment. Do we, we pass are. genre? Absolutely. Cool. Same. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Thank you. You put me on track with where, what I wanted to say, which yes. was we know by the second scene mm-hmm. where we introduce uh, Offred whose name originally was June. Yes, which you get in the last mm-hmm. second of the show. Because mm-hmm. she introduces herself as Offred and says, 
that is my name now. My act, my name before it is forbidden now. Right. And right there is when you know, uh, I mean, I have an idea of what we're coming into, but right there is when you know this is a dystopian. Um, future. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say alternate future, but I guess all futures are alternate futures. Yeah. <laughs> In a manner of speaking. <laughs> but that for me is the point where the audience is caught up on what's going on. So her, the car accident happens. Her family is separated. Is the husband, do we see him get killed? I don't think we do. We get gunshots. Uh, she doesn't know what happens. The, the inference is he's dead. Correct. And they yes. snatch her kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hannah. Yep. And uh, and then we jump around a lot. So let's give oh, it yeah. chronologically to the audience for those that haven't seen it in a while. Sure. Uh, I took notes on this it. this time oh, and great. numbered it. Yeah. Well, right. Give it to us, would you please? Oh, yeah. No. So I said uh, we meet Offred as she's running with her husband and child, uh, presumably trying to cross the border and to get to safety. Um, you know, obviously she's captured and I had noted, well, yeah, you dressed your kid in red and you're trying to run, but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which it makes sense that they probably dress their handmaids in red so that they're easy to catch. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're not going to escape anywhere in red. You're just not. Um, anyway, so then we kind of cut to, um, Offred giving her explanation of my name's Offred, you know, my actual name is forbidden. And then she kind of goes into how... A handmaid can escape which there is no actual escaping it is your only escape is death it's she goes into the different ways you could kind of commit suicide um and that they basically remove those ways for you because they know that there's you know that that's going to be the High prevalence yeah that most people will trend towards that if they have any power you know just trying to claim the power back mm-hmm. so very dark immediately sets the tone for very dark um, and then we get, because she's new to this household, we're introduced to Serena Joy and the commander, who we, in later episodes, will get as Fred, um, which kind of lends to the name of Fred, Offred. Um, what did you think of that interaction with meeting Serena? I, I heard you making some noises. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I, I didn't know who was who yet. I didn't know mm-hmm. if she was the, because we find out at the end of that scene that the, what's his name, the commander? Commander. Mm-hmm. Commander Fred. Witherspoon, what's his last name? Waterford. Waterford. Um, it, that's his wife. Uh, it, it feels like, she feels at that point like the director of the women in the house. Um, that's what I thought was going on. Sure. And then she tells us at the end, I'm the commander's wife. So the handmaids live in the home among the family. Uh, the The... You know, the wives are part of this because the wives are barren. Somebody says somewhere along the way that you handmaids, you are, you still have the ability to reproduce. Yeah. And most people don't. So -hmm. we're going to send you into the homes of these uh, great men and their poor, sad, barren wives Mm -hmm. to go help the family, uh, to go provide fruit for the family as it were. Gross. Every part of us just is icky. Every step of the way, it's just black. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean, so Serena, uh, the, you know, head lady of the household, was talking about, oh, you know, this is your second placement. That's great. We had to, you know, we had to train the last one, and she was like a dog, and it was just like, oh, my God. These are like, they are less than human. Like, being fertile is the only thing that gives them any value to mm. these people. Otherwise, these are, they're scum of the earth, basically. And she says that you're like, uh, she was like a dog. She was like training a dog mm-hmm. uh, and not a smart one. 
or a dumb one, however she puts oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a dumb one at that. And a dumb like one at that. that. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, the now, And it's like it's – these women are – I've been trying to remember the word, but but it's like when you're um, – like when your your behavior is modified, it's trained, right? Yeah. Like behave this way. Behavioral conditioning. Conditioning, yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, they're conditioned to behave accordingly. Oh yeah, absolutely. So through our flashbacks back at the red house. Yeah. Uh, red center. The red center. Thank you. Mm-hmm. With all of the handmaids together being conditioned, being yeah. molded, being trained on how to be a handmaid. Um, this is where we're introduced. Am I going to ruin your mojo with? I don't think so. Uh, this is where we're introduced to Janine. Some of the girls are already, you know, partway into their training. Some of them are just coming in after being captured. Um, June offered for our purposes. She's offered for now. Yeah. Uh, we don't get June till the end. Yeah. So calling her offered is fine. Offered before she's offered. She's still in jeans and, mm-hmm. you know, she's still in her getaway clothes. Yeah. They bring her to the Red Center. Uh, she's sitting next to Janine, who um, they're listening to the, you know, they're getting the lecture from, Aunt like Lydia. the educational lecture from, yeah, what is it? Aunt, Aunt Lydia. Aunt Lydia, the trench bull, who you seem to not be familiar with the term trench bull. Yeah, no, you said that and I was like, what What are you saying to me? <laughs> oh, there's going to be so many, so many millennials chirping up. You didn't see Matilda as a kid? No. Hmm. I, I'm aware of it, and it was always on my list of, Mom, please buy us this movie. Yeah. But, yeah, no. I mean, we had all of the other movies, so, like, I don't feel deprived oh, by okay. it by any means. You just but didn't end up with it. That's just not one we had on our list. Uh, you will probably not be that interested in it now. However, it's a great movie. It's, it's on Taylor's list of things to movie. make me watch oh, still. Good. So okay. he sees the value as well. <laughs> so when I said, Ugh, is she the Trunchbull? I thought she might have been the same actress, but she's super is Definitely not. I yeah. did look at that. <laughs> it was totally a hilarious joke that fell on deaf ears because he didn't know who I was talking about. I'm the worst. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> so it wasn't a criticism of you. So uncultured in this one thing. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen all the other things. Yeah. Um, anyway, so you got this very Trunchbullian character. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, she's a stately woman. She's really mm-hmm. quite repulsive, I found. She is. I find there there are pieces of her that you almost want to like. There's something about her you want to like, but the things coming out of her mouth are so deeply offensive. Um, you know, the the propaganda that she is feeding these women that, you know, this is your fault. You are the reason for this. You guys are crap, you know. You're, yeah. Your fault, your fault. Yeah, it was gross. There's um, the, the girl who, Janine. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do, sorry, one thing at a time. Yeah. Uh, Janine is in the, we meet her early upon, uh, or I should say, Offred meets her early upon her arrival to the Red Center. Yes. And uh, she, Janine's mouthing off. She's mm-hmm. basically saying, "Yeah, I'm not going to go for it." I'm yeah, not gonna, absolutely. I'm not, not going to eat this. the shovel. Sorry, I'm not going to eat the shit you're shoveling here. Not drinking the Kool Aid. Okay, that's one way of looking at it. Your red Kool Aid. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and she zaps her in the neck with some neck zapper thing. Cattle prod is what we call this. Oh, not okay. Thank Ooh. You very much. And uh, you're such a farm kid. The funny thing is, we never had cattle or or cattle prods. <laughs> well, what would you have a cattle prod for if you didn't have any cattle? 
Plus, don't know. with you kids, you just would have used it on each other. Yeah. Siblings, guys. It's not abnormal. And the next time we see Janine, her punishment, and I remember in this moment thinking as an audience member, which I commend the show for, you know, making me think, what would you do in a scenario like this? Uh, you know, one by one school of logic, you know, there's certain people that would, would play it very safe and say, I'm, I'm you know, going to survive it. I'm going to do what they tell me to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to recite the propaganda. Uh, I don't need to believe it. And I'm just going to get through it. And I'm going to be malleable and easy to deal with. That's one school of thought that I wouldn't necessarily judge somebody for. Um, and you, you watch this and you think, I don't know, are you going to be a Janine? you might want to challenge him to figure out what's the worst it's going to be. Is this oh, worth yeah. standing up for? And then she gets her eye taken out for this. Yeah, hmm. I actually wrote, lost her eye and then her marbles. Yeah, oh, nice. Clever, mm. clever. Yeah. Uh, see, we thought the show wasn't going to be any fun. <laughs> you got to have a little bit of comedy around it. Otherwise, it's just so just dark. dark. Uh so, yeah, so that's a pretty extreme uh, response to her mouthing off to the Trunchable. Absolutely. And then I thought, okay, probably best if you just sit down. I don't know. Uh, so, you know, I, I didn't come at the end of this episode to my conclusion of what I would have done. I probably would have tried to keep it quiet and not contribute too much noise to the, uh, you know, sense of chaos in the world around you. And on the other hand reciting the things that they wanted, that they demanded that they recite uh, would have been a difficult thing to do. Oh, yeah. Like in the scene where Janine is in the center uh, circle Mm -hmm. and she's now, you know, pretty compliant. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And basically tells the story. We don't get too specific, but I think the understanding is pretty clear. Yeah. Tells the story of the time that she was gang raped. Oh, yeah. Yeah, By hours. Yeah. Uh, and it sounded like a party, you know, a bunch of boys around, a bunch of boys she knew. They would come down in, in twos and threes at a time. And the Trench Bull's response is, um, who, and who led them on? Mm-hmm. And who led them on? And then all the girls are supposed to respond, uh, she did. It's her fault. It's her fault. It's her fault. So yeah. it was her fault she was raped. So that's the world that we're in. Yeah, so gross. So, so gross. And we jump around history a little bit, and it's all from uh, Offred's perspective. Yeah. And now we're several months into her being at the house, where she will serve as handmaid to this family. Sure. Um, And we kind of skipped in going to the Red Center. uh, We skipped a little bit around um, because Offred and Off Glen, we got introduced to Off Glen, who Mm -hmm. is the person that Offred is paired with to go everywhere. Um, She says... You know, we have to travel everywhere in twos. And the idea is that it's supposed to be for our safety. But we all know that it's because we have somebody watching us at all times. And her person is Offglen, who she said is not my friend. Um, you know, she's a pious little shit. Yeah, pious little shit with a broomstick up her ass. Um, and she just does not like her. Um, played by Alexis Bledel, I should say. I was very excited to see her. Of Gilmore Girls. Oh, that's okay. I know her from a thousand things. I just (laughs) didn't know. Yeah, absolutely. She's great. I never saw Gilmore Girls. We need to add that one to the list. It's good. Okay, cool. It's really good. That's one I binge, like a do a re binge of when I need something Something light. light. Mm hmm. Absolutely. So, um, and while she is walking with Off Glen, uh, well, 
before Offman, we briefly get Nick, the driver. Um, mm. Not not a high class guy per se. Like he's social class. Down. Social social class, absolutely. He's like um, a handyman at the house. The driver, kind of yeah. Oh, he's a driver. Okay. Yeah, and they had specifically said he doesn't basically have enough clout to be assigned a woman. Yeah. So. Hasn't even been assigned a woman yet. He's exactly. a nobody. Exactly. Yeah. Can, can we say while we're at this point, because yeah. there's, uh, when Rita says to Offred, mm-hmm. your friend is, it would be rude to keep your friend waiting outside. Yes. And she says through narration, she says, I want to tell Rita that she's not my friend. Uh, I think she's a pious little shit with a broomstick up her ass. That part right there. Yes. I just wanted to note for the audience and for our discussion that uh, that was through narration, and that's some of the early narration that we get before it becomes clear that the narration is going to take us through the show. Yeah. The thing she's thinking as we, you know, speak in these platitudes that you're mm-hmm. supposed to speak in. Absolutely. So her and Offlin uh, walk to the store. It's like her task. Rita mm-hmm. stays home. Rita's a Martha. Yeah. I think that makes the others Marys. Um, oh, is that a biblical thing? I think so. Okay. Or, a, or a cultural uh, thing. Yeah. Um, so the, the Martha's hanging out doing the cooking. She's not a breeder though. No. Everybody's like ticked off, but nobody's allowed to say anything. Correct. Right. Rita's ticked off that, uh, I got to do all the cooking and now I got to go to the store for you this day because they're sending her off to do something. I can't remember what it was. Uh, oh, it was the big event. The big it the event. Big, it was the red we'll wedding. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, she, uh, she being, uh, Offred, mm-hmm. uh, meets, off Glen, of oh, Glen, <laughs> outside at the gate, and they walk to the store together. And they, she's, oh, that was the other thing. She says, I've never spoken more than 50 words. So, in months that they've been hanging out, mm-hmm. they've spoken up to 50 words together, and it's just blessed be the fruit. Um, what is, what do they Good say? Good weather we have today. Yes. It, it's his, um, it's, you know, thank, thank the Lord on high for the good weather, stuff like that. Absolutely. So, it's all, it's, it's all just praise be. Yeah. Uh, speak that they that they share, uh, but I mentioned that because of because of their narration that she's a pious little shit with a broomstick up her ass. So she's the same person who continues to view this the world the same way. Who knows, you know, that this is a tyranny that she's living in and can't say anything. Yeah. So she's talking to Nick uh, on her way to the store, mm-hmm. uh, and they they share a moment, and he says, "Going shopping," and narration. No, Nick, I'm going to knock back a few at the Oyster Bar. Want to come along? Which I thought was super funny. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I wrote it down and uh, noted to myself that this is, I think, one of the best uses of narration that I've ever seen. Absolutely. Because I bitch about narration sometimes when we sit down and do this. Do you do that? Is okay. that something you do? All right. Well, you listen to the shows 12 times when you edit them, so... It's <laughs> true. Something like I that. I say something twice and you hear it 40 times. That's true. I feel like it happens more often than it does for sure. And I'll remember something from weeks ago and you're like, oh, did I say that? I'm like, yes, you don't remember? <laughs> it was so big. Always repeating yourself and I'm always repeating it back to you. It's like, all right. I'm, to be fair, I'm only experiencing it for the second time. <laughs> Touche. So I bitch about narration plenty. And, uh, this is one where it worked and worked really, really well. So here's here's the thing she here's the thing she's got to show the world, but here's the thing she's actually thinking. And then it was written in such a way it was always. I mean, it wasn't like sometimes it was like a little bit poetic. Sometimes it was just so down to earth that mm-hmm. it really hit. 
uh, it was always effective. Always. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it was nice because I think if we had just gone through it with the weird, we'll call it pious, the, the pious mm-hmm. way that they talk, yeah. that would have been a hard thing to connect with, even though you get that it's the world has changed, the world has moved on in ways. Um, getting her narration kind of brings you back into it because we're hearing somebody talk in the way we might talk. Yeah. I don't remember if the movie uses narration. I'm sure they didn't use it in the way they use it here. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm guessing, you know, this is something that we had to convey from the book. I watched uh, a couple episodes of Outlander. Yeah. Which I I found very boring. Ooh, you got a couple of episodes in. Yeah, I mean, maybe two. I had to just keep starting over. I would fall asleep <laughs> immediately. And yeah. the narration felt like somebody was reading passages from the book mm-hmm. because they needed to communicate it to the audience. Yep. Uh, and it was really boring or really slowed any sense of momentum uh (laughs) i don't remember what they did in the movie my guess is if there was narration in the movie it was like beginning middle and end kind of thing sure um not subtext being communicated to us specifically and because of that i seem to recall all the blessed be the fruit all the pious talk all the pious lingo and thinking it was amusing so you're right. It's kind of amusing when you see it like that. And it's it's you don't um, you don't connect with you know what maybe the message is. Absolutely. These are people who are in, living in this culture against their will, in tyranny. So absolutely. So we walk to the uh, grocery store. I think this is next. You tell me. Um, and Ooh, then yeah. is when we see the people hanging from the bridge. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I've got the quote for this mm-hmm. one. She says, a priest, a doctor, a gay man. I think I heard that joke once. This wasn't the punchline. Yeah. Which was, you know, you're looking at three bodies hanging with bags over their heads and the bags marked mm-hmm. to convey what they are. Yeah. With the, what their sins were. And the doctor had a, a fetus on it. Right. That he's clearly performing abortions and for religious reasons, that's it. And honestly, what they're going through right now, which is the mass sterility, um, that that's what was that word you just used? Mass sterility. Oh, sterility. sterility. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I stole it directly from here, so don't give me credit for Thank you. Those I words. thought that was super weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I would. Right. I saw the baby uh, in the womb image mm-hmm. and associated that that was probably a doctor who is performing abortions. Yeah. The, yeah, that's interesting because I hadn't, I I didn't, I didn't continue with that thought um, into the next part of that, which is performing abortions during the pandemic of infertility Mm -hmm. uh, and how that, you know, how this, how this culture would respond to that. Um, I'm curious why the priest was hanging. Anything that even, do they infer anything? I would imagine, and maybe I'm wrong, that it was a priest that married gay people, like would marry gay people, um, because they seem very opposed to any sort of gay expression. Yeah, I kind of put that together too because of the gay guy hanging Mm -hmm. um, and didn't... I don't know. It could have also been, I guess, we don't get any information on that. Yeah, part. absolutely. Yeah. But so we assume that they've committed something that is yeah. assumed to be a sin here. Could have been a priest who just wasn't as totally uh, um, 
legalistic and and literal. Didn't yeah. it doesn't interpret the text as literally because this is a culture with a totally literal interpretation of the text. Yeah, it's a theocracy. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Well, you know, the cast my eye out was I I think most people look at that and think that's metaphorical. That's our way of mm-hmm. saying obviously oh, yeah. we wouldn't do that. So yeah. are you going to cast your eye out? Okay, so maybe you just sit down and, and cool it. Uh, people ain't perfect. And in this case, it's, nope, they say cast the eye out, so we're going to cast it out. So whatever the priest was up there for, it, was a, it would have been a religious crime, which would have been easy to commit. Oh, yeah. I, I relate it. I think, in my head, I think, okay, thought crime. He, he, he was guilty of a thought crime, a interpretation of the biblical text that wasn't appropriate. Uh, and then they hang him off the bridge. So you have this really clean little town without anything, uh, like without any sort of sin that's allowed to enter it, it feels. Yeah. Um, and then the bridge off the, you know, off the coast uh, feels like you're, you're out of the town. So if you go yeah. off the outskirts, um, that's where you get hung. Yeah. So that the town can still look pristine on the inside. Yeah, but I do think it's, and maybe I'm mistaken, like I, if I were a handmaid, I would not choose to walk that path. No so shit. It's probably very intentionally on the handmaid's path to the grocery, so that way they have to see it, and they're oh. forced to look at it, and, you know, being put into their place, like, hey, you know, if you had any hope, let it die here. Interesting, because I thought maybe this was, since it was like on the edge of a border, in mm-hmm. a sense, you know, a very literal geographical border, um, maybe on the border where somebody might be trying to get away yeah. is where they warn them, which could, well, could incidentally be. be the same as the, uh, the path. Yeah. Either way, it seems pretty deliberate Absolutely. That, that they're hung from the side of the bridge. Mm-hmm. And given the um, you know, theocratic makeup of the government as we're seeing it so far, it would seem that you know nobody committed any crimes by hanging those guys. So that was an institutional hanging. Oh, absolutely, right. yeah. And then they leave them behind for the people, obviously as a message for whomever. Yeah. The lowlies, the proles. Absolutely. Um, cool. So then we, when we're in the grocery store, um, I don't know if you caught the weird little scene or line, I guess, um, where they were talking about um, like, oh, Offer didn't have a credit for the or a stamp or whatever for oranges, which, you know, her Serena Joy, the head of household, really likes. And so they were like, hey, you know, appeal to her. You want to get this? She's like, oh, I don't have the stamps for it. And they're like, oh, well, you're you're a water. You know, you're with the Waterford, the commander. Um, you know, he's a big name. He's all over the news. And all of a sudden it gets really quiet and everyone's like staring at the woman. Yeah. And it's like, what is this about? And she goes, I didn't read it. I promise. And it's like, oh, shit. Women aren't allowed to read. Yeah. Yeah, I did catch that. Uh, and then they all walk away from her. Yeah. Which is interesting because all the other women know how to read too, uh, leaving her to feel very small and judged mm-hmm. when we know, no, it's not judgment. It's shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Don't let anybody out here in society hear that you are reading or in, in inferring that you are reading mm-hmm. uh, or getting the idea that you're thinking for yourself, watching the news, interpreting the news. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I didn't think read it. I, I swear I didn't. There was a look of, like, she didn't know which one of them was going to end up telling on her, too. Yeah. Because there's still that they just don't trust each other. They may talk, you know, and 
try to help each other a little bit, but you don't know which one of them might report. Like they're they're always worried about who's the eye. Is there an eye? Are you watching me? Good point. Yeah. So the so we know that uh, at this point we know that Offred also knows how to read and think for herself. We don't yet know, which we'll get to in a second. So I'll reveal it now that uh, Off Glenn mm-hmm. with the stick of her butt also knows how to think for herself. Uh, and she's the one that has the great line once they finally break through that um, barrier. And uh, we'll share what got us there in a second when she says um, they, they're they really good. How do they put Actually, I got the whole thing here. Um, mm, the ice off, cream shop. Yeah. Offred says to, well, okay, I'm going out of order because we got to talk about the red wedding scene. <laughs> yeah, yep. The, That's true. The uh, it was called the participation. Participation. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, tell us about that scene. That was that was a crazy one. All right. Yeah. So they have what's called the participation. Um, and we had missed the name and the initial, so we're like, what are they here for? And you see, all of the handmaidens are, you know, they're kind of lining up like in a marching, you know, like in a march. Where they're it's, lining up with each other. It's um, choreographed. Yes. You know, there's a way that they're supposed to enter. There's a way that they're supposed to file in. And there's mm-hmm. a specific spot they're supposed to stand. Yeah. There's men with guns who are clearly enforcing that this goes in an orderly way. And then you see Aunt Lydia in front at a podium. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, obviously I don't want to bring you guys here. You know, my job is to protect you. And I have failed you. I did not mean to do that. And shows them that there is a man among them who is a rapist. And this is this guy that she's got in front of them. And, you know, he raped a handmaid and she was pregnant and the baby died. So, you know, everyone looks a little shocked by it. If nothing else, I couldn't tell for everyone if they were appalled by the fact that he did that or they knew that that was going to be a big deal. So Mm. maybe even a little bit of both. Just that, oh, the the higher ups are not going to react well to that. Um, Because I'm not convinced he did it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. It, 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 it probably was consensual. It was probably consensual. It was probably his kid. Well, and it's, I don't know. You you definitely start wondering, okay, having sex with a pregnant person doesn't necessarily kill them. What was going on there? Like, there are a lot of questions that you have around that. Yeah. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about in this And you this just instance. get propaganda in this <laughs> yeah. society, so this is what we're going to tell you. This is what you shall accept as truth. Absolutely. So Aunt Lydia says she's going to blow a whistle. And during that time, they are to take out, you know, just take this guy out, like hit him, beat him, just with their bare hands, kill this man. Mm -hmm. And when the whistle stops, they are to go back to being ladylike handmaids. She says, what you do is up to you. I'm going to blow the whistle and what you do is up to you until I blow it the second time and then the actions will cease. Mm -hmm. So this is where we're back to the the social conditioning again. Yeah. Because I didn't get the sense that, you know, of all the reasonable handmaids there, the first blow is thrown by the main character, Offred. I noticed that too. Yeah, and they just wail on this guy and, and, you know, they don't know what's true. They don't know what's not true. They know that they're victims of the current society. Mm-hmm. Makes me figure that this guy's probably a victim of this society too. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, you don't see a commander. You don't see, you don't see anybody of stature probably. You couldn't imagine uh, being convicted of anything. And... And also, you know, would be the the lower socioeconomic status people who need to have secret relations, right? Yeah. 
so we don't know. And then, you know, we live in a world anyway in which any other time a woman's raped, it's her fault. Mm-hmm. So none of it adds up. And then you watch Offred be the first to go at this guy. And then he's just consumed by the horde uh, and clawed at and torn apart till he's dead. Yeah. So right before that scene, before we knew what we were brought there for, mm-hmm. uh, Offred reconnects with one of the girls that she kind of, you know, I'm just going to say grow up, but I mean, was introduced to this new new world order with. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know the name, but one of her I didn't either. people from the Red Center. Alma, The really maybe? cute one with the big teeth. I think it was Alma. Okay. Okay. And then, I don't know, <laughs> off, you know, off Tom. <laughs> off them. Sure. Uh she, they ran into each other. What was fun because you finally hear them talking to each other like people again, mm-hmm. which they don't do. Yeah. And she says, Almo, we think her name is. Alma, yeah. Says, oh my God, Alfred. Or, she, yeah, we wouldn't have got a real name. Uh, yeah. And she says, who had, did Moira have a miscarriage? Um, No, somebody had a miscarriage. Yeah. Moira was had done something, though, and was supposedly sent to the colony. Tried to escape. Tried to escape. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, and was captured and killed. Uh, but she says, she goes, man, that sucks. When she said, whomever had a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. I saw her not that long ago. She goes, that sucks, which is not something you'd hear him say. And mm-hmm. then you're listening to, you see off Glenn overhearing this conversation. And you go, oh, shit, her spy's on her. Her spy's got her. Yep. Yep, she's exposed. Uh, that leads into, oh, then we get that Moira's dead, which was her friend from before, Offred's friend from before, back when the world was Yeah, her lesbian best friend Mm -hmm. who was there when... um, They were in college together? Yeah, when Offred, then June, Mm -hmm. um, realized she was pregnant. You know, she was the, hey, we're going to, you know, I'm going to help you with this. Don't you worry. Like, the world is out of babies and this isn't a common thing but like i'm your support system and when she was in when she first got captured was like i prom like i pinky i i fucking pinky promise i will help you find your daughter yeah and we'll get you out of here right so they were friends from the real world Mm -hmm. since college the infertility pandemic hits uh offered gets pregnant nobody's getting pregnant she's terrified that look i am pregnant and people are still losing their babies late in the game after they're born uh, and then she, that's when she's telling her, look, even if you do lose it, and she tries to be very positive, she's saying, look, dude, you can't know that. You can't know that I'm going to actually have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. Absolutely. She goes, okay, fine, but I will always be here for you no matter what. And you got an excellent husband, and he will be here no matter what. You have a great support system. Um, so they go. So their roots run that deeply. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. then they go to the Red Center together. Mm-hmm. Not together, but they, they find they each, each other. Yeah, yeah, they're together at the Red Center. Uh, which is where we're introduced to Jeanette, which is where Jeanette le- loses her eyes. and then her, her mar- Yeah, I'm sorry. Janine uh, loses her eye, then her marbles. Um, <laughs> Moira says cleverly, she says, this shit is contagious. Basically, you know, the attitude leading to um, craziness. Yeah, falling apart in, this, in these falling conditions. Falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not being mentally strong enough to go through this much trauma Mm -hmm. and it just so happens that Jeanette Janine Janine got it particularly hard uh so that's Moira they go back a ways and we find out at the participation this is 
uh, Offred overhears from Janine, who's also there, mm-hmm. who turns around with her scarred no eye and is totally nuts. Yeah. And says, and she's pregnant now, quite pregnant. Quite pregnant. And says, oh, Moira, yeah, she's dead. And, you know, what happened? Oh, um, yeah, I know she tried to escape and they caught her and so they sent her off to the colony. So, anyway. By now she's dead. By now she's dead. Yeah. And the colonies, um, we discover, is where they send people, you know, if they are not behaving in the society. And it is where they go to clean up toxic waste and your skin peels off oh. and you die. So that's that whole thing. So they work them for a short period of time and, you know, they just get wasted and yeah, die almost. It's in- weird because I've read books that that's a, that seems to be a common theme in books that that's like how people are punished, that they go and clean up toxic waste and that that's, that's where they meet their end. It's been a theme in a couple of hmm. them, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Anyway. I think maybe they just sort of consider a filtration system. <laughs> Of course, we don't know for sure. They well, don't know what the colonies are. And did are. they say in this if the toxicity was what led to the infertility? I don't know if they specifically had said that or if that was just kind of. I don't know that I, I didn't catch it at all. Okay. I didn't catch it, the background on the colonies at all. That's Or right. how they knew about that. I remember during the Trench Bowl uh, slideshow that she said, you know, man, basically man fell into degradation, uh, toxic waste and pollution yeah. mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. So we went back to a traditional order of things cool so that's the only reference i remember to any kind of toxicity so they removed that makes sense so they removed all the electronics and stuff and that's probably dealing with that toxic waste yeah because i was thinking about it i mean they mentioned like when we do a flashback when um we get june and moira they are talking she's like fucking uber and i'm like okay so this actually is a world i can connect with and recognize but all of the electronics have been removed. So when you see those houses, they look like they're over 100 years yeah. old. Um, because there's just, there's no electronics. Yeah, Where, where is Alexa? <laughs> yeah, because they're in like a old colonial southern plantation mm-hmm. home. Exactly. Um, that's very, you know, very gaudy and very um, full of decor everywhere. Yeah. The... Yeah, I didn't get that. You're right. I, I didn't put the connection together that not only uh, do we live a traditional lifestyle, but all of those things would have had to be taken out. Mm-hmm. The trench bowl uh, says she references Tinder. Did you catch that? Mm-mm. You did not. She was saying with all their depravity, you know, so they could have their orgies and their Tinder. <laughs> so they gave us some nuggets to show yeah. that this was a very near future. In fact, yeah. their point, I think, is to say that. Uh, the world you live in now could give way to a future uh, like this within your lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. The challenge actually in the book, uh, I guess Margaret Atwood had said that everyone says, oh yeah, that couldn't happen here. And the point of her novel was to show, well, here's how it would happen here. Like it's it's actually not as far-fetched as you might think. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, stand up for your rights, <laughs> yeah. basically. Let me give you a dramatic presentation of what that might look oh, like. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then tell me it's not something you'd, be concerned about yeah absolutely so uh yeah anyway that was horrifying the all right so we're at the participation mm-hmm. uh offered takes first swing they kill this dude she'd reconnected with janine and uh alma and as they walk away from there finally what we keep alluding to is when off uh 
starts relating to oh she had also found out about her daughter that was the other thing mm-hmm. that through the, the beginning part of the the establishment of the uh, participation we get the uh, acknowledgement that she had a daughter who's missing that's mm-hmm. how Offland finds out about it yeah and then asks about her daughter right yeah okay and she's really you know n- not really there she's not all there she's pretty yeah, after that second whistle blew, she kind of, I don't know, how almost had like what would you would seem kind of an out-of-body experience. Like she vacated. Yeah. her. She was elsewhere. Totally, totally. Now, I, I kind of wondered in, in the, you know, the killing of that guy in the participation. Sure. Because all the women were in on it. Mm-hmm. If I, that seemed like a conditioned response. I took that as a conditioned response. Oh, yeah. You could see it in her face. Yeah. That when the whistle blew, she became a different person. Yeah. She had anger. She looked just freaking enraged and then the second whistle blew and that completely left her face Mm -hmm. it was completely a condition and i was like whoa what did i just do there yeah i wondered if you know is is the outrage about what they were told that he did you know if this guy really did rape somebody if it really did cost somebody their baby uh that you know i could you know that would be a thing to be outraged by or was that whistle blowing? Was it a purely conditioned response? This is how you will respond to it, or was it as soon as they were allowed to have a feeling again? As soon as you were allowed to feel, you just got the dump of all the emotion. Oh yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, and I don't know which. I mean, I think all all of those scenarios are are very interesting in any you know direction the show wanted to take us. I would I would be interested in, but certainly. That was not her, and that would not have been her acting in a reasonable way in response to this news back when the world was still the world we knew. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so something that we kind of went a little bit out of order with, um, but I think it's important to bring us back here because it's one of, I mean, it's what Offred is here for. Mm-hmm. It's the ceremony, which is the, the horrible thing she's brought there is breeding cattle to be fucked by the commander. I couldn't remember if that came after Offred or before. Um, it was after the after Janine, um, after the whole thing with Janine, where she, we were going through her rape thing, um, like when her eye was taken out, and then we get the she has to recount her gang raping and sure. what whatnot. Then then we get the ceremony, and you get the whole you know the whole family is that's right. For that's it. right before the participation, I think it is. Okay, we'll absolutely. get to the Auckland stuff in a minute. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, um, in the course of setting up for the ceremony, they'd mentioned that you knock to come into the bedroom on this day. The other days, it's not as important, but you have to knock because it's the wife's domain. And it's very important that you observe these small things. She says, it's a little thing, but in this house, little things mean everything. Um, you know, which is to say that everything kind of has like a symbolism to it. Or tradition, tradition. or pr- mm-hmm. proper yeah. behavior. Yeah, Yeah, that it's a nod to something religious. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And what was your feeling on this scene? Did you just love it? <laughs> it was... Um, of all the porn I've seen, this was uh. the most boner-crushing. <laughs> boner-crushing. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah watching him... Screw Offred, who is trying to look as blank in the face as possible, and her head is in the lap of the wife, who is obviously also going through something emotionally, while not being physically raped, 
She but is. But restraining. She's mm-hmm. also restraining she Opry because she holds her arms there. Yeah. I, I think, did she hold him against the bedpost? I think so. Yeah, because she's grabbing the bedpost and she's holding her arms or holding him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, it's not a, it's a strictly sexual act. It's strictly for the purposes of procreation. procreation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And everybody is having, and it, it's an emotionally, it seems like it's an emotionally devastating experience for everybody. I would uh, think so. I don't know about the commander, but. I was going to say, I even include him in that because it was for, so uncomfortable. Like, it was so yeah. uncomfortable to witness this. You, I didn't get the sense that uh, he, you know, he, there's a there was a sense that he has to also not enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't want to upset his wife. Oh yeah, there's some politicking. Exactly. So so much of the time he's looking away. He'll look at the wife. I got the sense that he would look down a little bit at her and mm-hmm. then not try not to look at her, while she you know goes, you know passively participates in the act mm-hmm. by allowing the act to happen by being a um, mm, consenting to the act because this is her role, knowing that it's not really consent. Uh, and having the wife endure mm-hmm. and participate oh yeah in this and and then you got to imagine you know with all of these sort of mm, unspoken things among the women as a group mm-hmm. the wife is in a different category and yet there's still all these unspoken things between them as women mm-hmm. uh, and she's like hates her and I mean she's never nice to her but the wife really seems to hate offered in this scene Oh, yeah. No, it's the second the act is done, she pulls up her skirts or her dress from mm-hmm. underneath Alfred's head. So, you know, there's the abrupt, her head hits the, the bed and then, you know, she lifts her leg over it. So kind of nudges her, like just has no regard for Alfred yeah. at all. Her physical space, nothing. She's just like, gross. I don't want to touch you anymore. I'm going to hastily get out of bed. I don't care how that disrupts you. Um, yeah, it was very inconsiderate because she was just so, yeah, had some hatred. Yeah, and she's and resentment. She's welling with tears in the mm-hmm. moment. It's funny. I was sort of had this narration in my head or this dialogue in my head between the two of them in that scene, uh, in which um, the wife is saying to Offred, "Like, well, imagine how I feel mm-hmm. after that." Oh yeah. Like, don't you realize that I'm in pain? Don't mm-hmm. don't you see how that affects me emotionally? And then thinking, yeah, and then imagine how she feels. She's, Absolutely. She's your sex slave. And even if she were willing to enjoy it, she's not allowed to. Uh, and then probably super wouldn't. So, which brings me back to, man, everybody here, and I don't know about the commander yet, um, but everybody here is a product of the new culture, the new, you know, regime. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that in that room, I, I understand that, you know, the commander is the the biggest benefactor of mm-hmm. the situation as it is. But I didn't get the sense that anybody in that room, which I think this makes for some good drama, was a villain. Um, okay. If you were offered, certainly everybody would be a villain. and oh, yeah. Everybody would be your oppressor. Sure. If you were those two fulfilling the roles that you're supposed to fulfill, like, you know, Offred's going along with it. These guys are going along with it. I understand Offred's situation is by far the worst, but do the commander and the wife have freedom because because they're not handmaids? 
this scene didn't give me the sense that uh, that they're enjoying themselves too much. Yeah, no, that that's not something that her like the the wife does not want her there. Mm-hmm. This is all just because they have to. It's obligation. It's duty. Yep. Yeah. I, we don't know anything about the commander yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know his views on anything. I don't know if he's if he's nice or if he's surly. Yeah. Or if he's, you know, horribly abusive. I, I have nothing. We don't know yet. Yeah. We got the very least on him. I was yeah. actually, as I was going through and checking people off on my comment card, I actually went ahead and checked him off because everything we've said about him is about as much as we get on him in this episode. Well, and he, he finishes the act, turns around, dries himself up. You know, you watch him clean himself off, pack his package back up, and leave the room. Nobody communicates outside of that. Yeah, um, very off- transactional. Exactly. And Offred lays there for a, se- for a few minutes longer. The wife says, get out. And she says, um, actually, it, it's a better chance that it takes if I lay down for a while. Um, and she says, I don't remember what she said, but it was like, are you dumb? Like, get out. Are you yeah. deaf? Yeah, are you deaf? Get out. Uh, and then she does, and it just leaves everybody feeling cold and lonely and dirty. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That was horrifying. Yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, and she she talks a little bit after this scene, like the scene immediately following. She talks about, and it's kind of gross, so if you have children in the room, yeah. you know, pl- plug their ears for a moment. Um, but she, she talks about feeling the cum running down, like running out of her, and she just freaks out. She has a moment of total freak out, and she's in her nightgown. Her hair is undone. She runs out of the house, and I don't know why she was running, like what she was thinking she was going to do. If she, the thought was, well, I'm running away, but then she's spotted by Nick, the driver. They make eye contact, and she goes back in. And from that point on, she's like, "Shit, he's gonna tell on me." Um, he could be the spy. He could be the eye. Yeah. yeah. Or be an eye. She doesn't know yet that there is an eye in her house. Like that there is, there's confirmed an eye in her house. Yeah. The the govern governing body that. The enforcement body. Mm-hmm. They just sort of refer to as the eye. Yeah. People I, who are spies within the house to kind of report to yeah. the higher ups to make sure everyone's in compliance. Right. Well, in the eye, even they use it also in a, they sometimes they use it as an individual term. Like he's an eye. He's, mm-hmm. he's a spy. Yeah. I think it's a specific position like a Martha. Well, there's a point too where she calls it, she says, I thought, and I don't have it written down on my quote card, but she speaks of the I in a sort of broader way that makes it sound more like a central government or more like an, a central enforcement body. Yeah. That, that the that the organization she just sort of referred to as the I. Well, and it's also a position though, like a Martha. Hundred percent. Okay. Um, and then I got thrown off by that one line that, that I don't specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so I think it's specifically and intentionally vague. I think in part because. These guys are just pawns in the new world order and maybe themselves don't exactly know uh, what constitutes the I, who's pulling the strings. And on the other hand, maybe I just misunderstood or misheard that part. Yeah. Um, No, I think that they did use it. She did use it in multiple ways. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, But you're right. She runs out there and I I didn't get the sense she was going anywhere because she's, you know, wearing her pajamas. Yeah. Uh, just needed a brush of fresh just air, Just needed I guess. to get some air, needed to go throw up, needed to go have a panic attack, and then is jilted immediately back into self, self-protection self mode of run inside. Um, keep keep playing your part. Keep playing the game. Absolutely. Um, and then you get kind of, just a quickly, you get the tuna scene the next day when, uh, 
they're talking about the participation where Martha is the Martha Rita is mm-hmm. um, upset about having to take on the shopping that day for um, for Alfred. Which, by the way, I just found despicable. Like, I get that you're put off by you know, having to do extra work. But, like, how are you not, like, the most grateful person in the world that you're not being raped? Like, I don't know. Like, I, I get chores suck and being enslaved sucks. But, like, how could you be so callous to somebody who you know is getting raped? I don't know. I just, I had a hard time with it as a woman. I'm just, like, I, I feel like there's got to be more compassion there than what you're seeing. And in this scene, you get no compassion. This is why I think she's the I. But, Ooh. yeah, but... Because we find out that there's an eye in the house. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that in a minute. Sure. Um, was that Rita uh, resents Offred. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she Offred is the breeder. Offred is the more coveted role. Rita just comes in there to work. Rita's yeah. a laborer. So in the, in the hierarchical status of, of this society and in this house... Um, the, you know, the woman who's keeping the house running and doing all the work and all the chores is the less valuable job. Absolutely, yeah. So I think she probably doesn't look at it as, uh, you know, offered getting raped every night or however often that happens. She looks at it as as, uh, you come in here into my domain and outrank me. Yeah. And now I got to do your work too cuz you got your special thing that you got to go do. Great. Have fun. I heard. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Blessed be. Fuck you. Yeah. So uh she had mentioned in that scene that she was going to go get oranges presumably for Serena Joy and um Alfred had made this weird comment that we actually paused to talk about because then she makes a comment about tuna which in her conversation with Nick we had discovered that it was kind of a flirty scene even with Nick mm-hmm. where he kind of made it seem like Oh, yeah, stay away from the tuna. And she's like, oh, mercury? And he's like, no, I just don't really like it. And so then she tells, you know, Martha to get, or the Martha, Rita, Mm. to get tuna. (laughs) With the oranges. Mm -hmm. And it was a weird moment. I didn't fully get it. She was tuna and oranges. Got it. Yeah, it was... It was a weird moment between Nick and Alfred because it was like, okay, so she clearly intentionally sent Rita for something that he doesn't want, like, especially doesn't want. Was that like a poke to tempt him or what? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was just a nudge of acknowledgement, right? Yeah. Here's one of those unspoken things. Here's that oh, conversation we had yesterday. That was probably a little forbidden because it was flirty. Exactly. Ooh. She's referencing Tuna because she knows that he doesn't like it. He's in the room. Mm-hmm. He takes an almond or whatever. Pops it in his mouth, says, bless be, walks out, yeah. swaggers out, cocky little shit. Cocky little shit. Cool. Well, I I feel like you had started kind of getting back to Off Glen, which is where I pulled you from. So you want to take that away? And I think we were at the ice cream shop yes. scene. Yes. This is after the participation, mm-hmm. after Off Glen finds out that she had a child, after Off Glen finds out that uh, Offred has friends and stuff from the Red Center and uses term terminology like it sucks and has uh, feelings of pain over losing her friend. And she's asking her, how are you? Are you okay? Uh, and Alfred doesn't, you know, it probably feels like bait. Looks like bait to me. I'm, I'm thinking that that uh, based on the way the camera cut back to Offlin overhearing her conversation, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, she's a spy. You're about to get it. You're going to get it hard. Yeah. And she comments. She says, oh, Moira is your friend from the Red Center. She says, she was my friend before. 
like before too. And she yeah. goes, oh, was there a before? And uh, and they pass by this shop that sells, you know, habits. I think they call it wings or whatever their little hats sure. are that they wear. And they look through the window and she says, this is Offlin speaking, which I thought it wasn't at first because mm-hmm. uh, because Offred's the one who mentioned before. And mm-hmm. Offlin was the one inferring that there wasn't a before. Yeah. Uh, Offlin takes her to the past her shop and says, this used to be an ice cream place. Yeah. Really good salted caramel, like better than sex. And I mean like good sex good sex yeah absolutely yeah. it was a great line and it was, it was a great moment and it was a great scene it was and uh it for me it was the scene that made and i'm glad we got to it last in fact because yeah. it was the scene that was sort of a it was the game changer mm-hmm. uh, because absolutely. because somebody broke through you know it, it's almost like oh, okay the revolt it's in them like the revolt will happen is mm-hmm. it this generation is it two seasons from now is it 200 years from now yeah. how long is the world going to be like this i don't know but uh, Offred says to Auckland, "Oh, I thought you were a true—I thought you were a true believer." And she says, "That's what I thought about you." Go ahead. Yeah, she says, "I thought you were too so pious, <laughs> so freaking pious, <laughs> exactly, so, so freaking pious." And Which, they, of course, is what Offred had said about her. Yeah, and it was nice because at the end of that interaction, um, Auckland had said, "You know, it was nice to finally meet." Yeah, you. I love that. That was such a good line. Oh yeah, it gave me—it gave me the first bit of warm fuzzies yeah. for the entire episode, it's and like, we're near the end. Mm-hmm. Like this is. This is it. So uh, in this time, uh, as they review, I'm sorry, there was a specific one. Let me look at my quote sure. real quick. Actually, yeah, I had those quotes. Good sex. It was nice to finally meet you. Yeah. Um, oh, no, there was a great one that it's so important. We I think we already mentioned it, but we really, really got to hit it hard. Sure. She said, um, as, as Offred says to her, I thought you were a true believer. Yeah, so were you, so freaking pious. And then off Glenn says, they do that really well. Make us distrust each other. Oh, yeah, that's a that good was, That was it. Mm-hmm. That was, hey, we're, it's, I don't know, it's kind of the, it's kind of the girl club thing, too. It's the, almost uh, the, it's not what it seems. Like, hey, we're still there for you. Yeah, we're, we're still there for each other, even though it seems like when the gal said that, hey, you know, I didn't read the news, I promise. Yeah. None of us wanted to tell on her. We're we're not out for, you know, that. Yeah. We're all in this together. We're all being raped together. Mm-hmm. We're all still here. Oh, that was one of the things that Alma said. She said, I'm at, uh, you know, the lieutenant's house. You can barely get it up. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. She's like, she's like pleased with it. It's like, yeah. ah, loser. But I think she's going to get killed because of that. Because she's not going to give him any babies because he can't get it up. And he's not going to tell everybody that. Anyway, side point. So, yeah, well, they had specifically said that they don't test... I think they did anyway, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just read something, but they don't test the men for infertility. Well, you should probably not read. Yeah, I know. I was like, ooh, that's getting me in trouble. Not often does reading get me into trouble, but <laughs> in this society, it would. So, you know, my bad. Uh, I think that from what I remember of the movie, um, the the men certainly aren't. I mean, I don't know that we got it here. It wasn't that's clear. Prob- that's probably where I got it. I yeah. watched the trailer for the movie right before this, and I'm pretty sure that's right. where I took it. But it is consistent with... Yeah, and I, I know or recall because of that, that mm-hmm. if the men are uh, sterile, um, the judgment, the woman will be judged for it. Mm-hmm. They'll need to get a new handmaid in. She'll be the one who gets killed. I remember in the movie, uh, I don't know how it'll reflect in the show, that there's a physician who says, hey, um, uh, I could help you out. Uh, I'm very fertile. Uh, so sometimes I help women out with sterile husbands. Yeah. Or sterile uh, masters. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it was that moment where she says, 
uh, they're really good at making us distrust each other, that we finally see two individuals recognizing that there's a common experience happening. Absolutely. And finding ways to suddenly have to be very subtle about how they can communicate it. Absolutely. But now you finally build trust between mm-hmm. uh, the first person you build trust with since all the devastation, right? In the yeah. new world order, the first person she's built trust with. And as they leave, as they depart, Offland says, there's an eye in your house. Be very careful. Yeah, absolutely. Very careful. Um, yeah, so I think that wraps up all of our characters. Uh, yeah. Do you give them a pass? Oh, big time, 100%. Same. Uh, I think Offred off is a very sympathetic character. Uh, she, as our audience surrogate, does her job very effectively. I can't mm-hmm. remember the actress's name right now. Elizabeth Moss. Thank you very much. She oh, always Mad does Men. a great job. <laughs> yeah, she always does. A, I always forget her name. Uh, Peggy. Uh, she <laughs> always does a great job. Uh, and I think is really, if you look back at her career, has really earned her uh, stripes as the leading lady. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's a very compelling actress and really brings a lot of life to this role. Like, just, I feel traumatized on this woman's behalf. She's, I'm going to say something that I'm going to wish I hadn't later. Oh, okay. Well, thank goodness for editing. You message me and let me know. <laughs> I I feel like she is probably the Meryl Streep of her time. Oh, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Leading ladies that aren't, you know, they're, they're not leading ladies. They're not the bombshell. Yeah. It's not about sex appeal. Yeah. Which I think is even better. Yeah. Like no, it's, it's a powerful woman thing. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very powerful. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, let's get into plot then. Um, when you said that there's an eye in your house, be careful. Um, that kind of, for me, kicked into plot. That was the first line that I had as yeah. far as my plot card, that we're going to be really worried about where we go next, that obviously we want to get out of here. Um, and we get a line from, you know, the final line of this episode is, my name is June. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's like, okay, so you are meek for all of this because you're conditioned into it, but we're getting the fuck out of here. Yeah, and I remember my name. Whatever you want to tell me, I remember my name. Yeah, she needs to survive this. And so I think that that's, you know, where we're going with this, that we're going to see her trying to survive it, but at the same time, she she wants to get out and find Hannah, her daughter, and, you know, she needs to get out of here. Uh, forbidden. I don't know that we ever said that, but we did, when yeah. we get, oh, we did. Okay. When we open the show and, mm-hmm. and first get introduced to her as Offridge, she says, my old name was forbidden. Yes. Lots of things are forbidden. Now. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, and then reminiscent of that scene, bookending, you know, the yeah. show, you know, prologue, then bookend uh, <laughs> sure. is, uh, her in the same scene and the same, I mean, she's always wearing the same clothes, mm-hmm. her, her uniform, but in the same place in her bedroom, in front of the window, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same moment that, we got at the beginning. Yeah. My name's Offred. Used to be something else that's now forbidden. At the end, she says, my daughter's name was Hannah. My husband's name was... Luke. Okay. And my name... And what is it? I am June? My name is June. And my name is June. Uh, bump, 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 bump. Bump, 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 bump. Dramatic music. Let's yeah, that sounds happy music. Try again for drama. Bum, 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 bum. Bum. Hmm. 
Bah, 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 Dramatic music bah, might bah. not be your thing. <laughs> That's Terminator. <laughs> oh, okay. That's what I was looking for. No, that sounded like Nickelodeon. Ah, oh, fuck yeah. it. I didn't warm up before we started the show. See, it sounded like when you did that, it sounded like, uh, what is it, Super Mario? Okay. Plot. So my take was, I told you this as we were going on, I saw her and Nick sign a... Nick kind of uh, canoodling. Mm-hmm. I thought, all right. There's so, flirtation. Yeah. So her and Nick are going to get fucking. And then Nick's going to get her pregnant. But the commander's going to be uh, infertile. And then it's going to be Nick's kid. And then we're going to make a big hootie do about the whole thing. Are you guessing all of this because of the trailer? Or not the... Well, sorry, not the trailers. Because of the movie? Because no. in watching the trailer of the movie, it sounds like that is absolutely what happens in the movie oh maybe but if so it's um incidental uh subconscious okay i have more memories about it than i remember remembering okay yeah yeah you have memories around the experience but not around the material (laughs) right okay so uh yeah i don't exactly know what happens next but you can see with that as an example of how this world would be complex Cool. Are you sold on this plot? The um, overarching plot on the series to come. I see where you're going with this, which is speed it up. <laughs> no, I mean, there's just, I feel like we've covered a lot of this in characters and maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, you yeah, know, I'm sorry. What I'm trying to say is, I'm, let me say this more efficiently, yeah. which is, <laughs> which is uh, I don't know exactly where we're going, but yeah. I, I think the direction is clear okay. that this will all get very muddy. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll become more and more complex, especially as they have these secret conversations, have these private conversations, yeah. have uh, double crosses, in, for lack of a better word, in which you're building trust with somebody who maybe exposes you later. So secrecy is paramount in this world, and it's going to be a very difficult thing to try to get out of because where are you going to go? How are you going to do it? Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is probably years of planning your escape. And you got to understand your world first. So she's probably going to be pregnant before she escapes. She might have this child before she escapes. There, we're in for a lot of complexity mm-hmm. in the uh, in the internal struggle. You know, the human struggle that's going to be uh, part of the actual plot of her getting out of it. But you know, the ultimate thread here is among all that complication, among all the emotional distress, this is going to cause her and us the arc is how are we going to go from here to freedom absolutely i agree and uh i would say that that was a pass i think it was you know wherever we're going it's it's clear that it's going to be a pretty engaging uh journey i agree and i passed it for the same reasons um so does this have a clear hook funny you said earlier Uh uh that there is no hope uh, my hook card, all I wrote was, there is hope. Yeah. So in her saying, and my name is June, gives you that sense of hopefulness, mm-hmm. of fight the good fight. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be here for you fighting the good fight. Uh, keep fighting and keep fighting. And, you know, even if even if the hope that we seek uh, is not realized in her lifetime, which, of course, is that's what we're here to see, Um like, it, it will take you fighting for that hope to be realized. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, on my card, I put, her name is June, and we're getting the fuck out of here somehow. Yeah. So, yeah, hope right. <laughs> is probably the more eloquent way to put that. But yes. And I, and I don't want to watch anymore, in a way. Like, I know it's worthy. I know as a piece of art, mm-hmm. uh, as any good, you know, television is. Yeah. I, I Like, I, I know it's worth my time. I would like to watch it, 
frankly, I don't know that right now uh, is the season of history that I have a lot of appetite for it. Yeah, it's very dark. Um, we've just gone through a lot with the the way the world is now. The way the world is today with our current pandemic, which has nothing to do with fertility, sterility, and the political climate. There's just been a lot going on that makes this a hard watch. Yeah. Um, but we did do this one in anticipation of the season four premiere, uh, which comes it's, comes out on April 28th. Oh, and by the way, thanks to... Uh, we just want to thank our our listeners and supporters for making our uh one of our the I don't know the most recent episode to come out Sex in the City mm-hmm. our most listened to episode. Yeah, it was a big deal. It was very exciting. Yeah. I was happy to see so many people loved it as much as I did. The show at least. Yeah. Uh yeah, I talked to Elise about it, my girlfriend, mm-hmm. uh and she said she said if she was just, you know, now being introduced to the podcast, that'd be the one she started with. And I listened to it, and it was my favorite. Yeah, it was Well, fun. WandaVision I enjoyed. I don't know. Uh, it's, I think it was our best, but definitely in the top 26. <laughs> or 28. <laughs> or 28. I don't know. It depends on your perspective. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm wondering which two you're ruling out as the worst ones ever in this count. <laughs> oh, yeah, those haven't come out yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so Sex and the City is episode 28. So if oh, it's shit. the best, Sorry. the top 26, I'm like, man, which two are like your bottom two? Yeah, I did my math wrong. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Damn that arithmetic. My what the ones that I don't want to listen to are the ones that we get like into an argument about afterward. Yeah, where it's like, Grr. <laughs> the office was pretty good though. Like, I'm just saying, <laughs> you'd never know that we were turds with each other about it. Yeah. So back to this show. Um, did you? I mean, you you said that it's not for you right now, but you do feel like it has a clear hook. Had this the the climate right now not been what it was, very successful pilot. Mm-hmm. In every I way, agree. a successful pilot. I agree. Um, you know the 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 one book I've ever read that I truly loved was 1984, mm. and there's of course elements of that. The only book, guys. Yeah. Trivia on Riker. The <laughs> thought crime. Um, mm-hmm. The double talk that happens. Yeah. The I mean, there's a lingo that came out of that book that mm-hmm. we don't realize where it came from, and you use it all the time. Oh, absolutely, Big Brother. Exactly. I was going to say that exact thing. Uh, so you have that all in here. Basically, you have the makings, all the uh, essentials for a dystopian future. Uh, yeah. To really, that really horrifies you too. I mean, it's it's, uh, and especially after the year that we just lived through, it's like it's yeah. it's a little too close to home. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know, I I heard I, I listened to the uh, I told you this earlier, and I'm going to tread lightly here, but I listened to. A, a little bit, a very small fragment of the author talking about the book mm-hmm. um, and whatever else she was working on. It this was in the last couple of years, and I, I remembered thinking, well, she she sounds, you know, a little radical. She sounds pretty extreme mm-hmm. in her in her views on things. And then to um, so, and what I said to you was, she's probably you know she's somebody who might lead a movement, but not somebody I would go to for information. Yeah, who's going to be unbiased about it? That's fair. And it, it makes me think that any any side you're on um, in whatever conversation that that you know freedom's an essential, precious thing, mm-hmm. and when you see any depiction of people without it, uh, it's pretty disruptive like it's pretty emotionally disruptive absolutely and 
you know, I think any good art evokes an emotional response. Not any good art, any great art. Great art. You know, great art will always evoke an emotional response. Like, yeah. you know, people argue about what is art, and you argue about it, and you can say, well, I don't consider that art because I don't connect with it. And then you look at something you connect with and go, oh, like that that is. Mm-hmm. Which you still can't define, right? So it's yeah. like it's just that that human knowing of what, what art is. Um, of what that emotional experience is that you go through. And this is one that gives you an emotional experience for better and for worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a really it's a really fine piece of television. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And the hook actually totally got me. I mean, that little glimmer of hope there was almost enough. And it might be enough. I don't know. We got to see at least I'm, I'm introducing Elise to Breaking Bad, who's totally underwhelmed by all of it, which I find bizarre and hilarious black sales black sales she which will is love. which is what i'm excited to do next yes. right so i want to do that one next because it's it's colorful and it's adventurous and it's fun and now you know the history and that goes into it because netflix has the greatest documentary series on right now called the lost pirate kingdom oh. so now i really understand the pirate story which i've never understood before it's i understand so what the pirates of the caribbean are which i've never understood before it makes you kind of rethink history and the way yeah. it's presented to you Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good point. And makes you understand the uh, premise of black sales. Okay. <laughs> As you're going through and listening to our episodes, maybe go listen to our black sales one and see if there was something there that you didn't see before because you didn't have the historical context even before you go through the series. Yeah. I think, good point. I think uh, it's one that you know, we probably won't do this, but it's almost one that I want to revisit with you because I don't remember how I scored black sales. My guess is because I wasn't engaged enough to want to continue because mm-hmm. I couldn't understand what anybody was saying. You were really on the fence until I explained what it's supposed to be about. And you're like, oh, that does sound uh, like something I'm into yeah. huh? through the course of this, maybe, but you just didn't get it, I guess. I didn't vibe with the, with the pilot. Yeah. And, and honestly, now that I know what Nassau was, now that I know that prostitution was rampant in Nassau, the the show is a colorful depiction mm-hmm. of history, I think, but it's a show. I mean, it feels yeah. there's a it's not a fantasy, but there's a sort of fantastical element. Well, it, it integrates Treasure Island characters into it. Exactly. So it really it ties um I guess tales kind of you remember um oh gosh, Beowulf. The yeah. tales of Beowulf. Um, it, so it's part of it's like the legends that kind of surround piracy. The mythology. The mythology. Yeah, Thank you. totally. Um, but it ties in all of the historical things. And like as you were telling me about the documentary, I'm just like, man, all of the movements, like this captures all of those things that you were telling me about. Like if there was an element you were excited about and told me about, it's in there. You know what probably participated in my confusion? What's that? Was... Uh, no judgment on you, but mm-hmm. when you said you you had paralleled Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, I still do, and said except they totally stick the landing and knew where they were going. Mm-hmm. Now I understand how they would have known where they were going, mm-hmm. which is the arc was already there. This isn't a fantasy story; it's history, mm-hmm. but it's not historically accurate. I didn't yeah. feel the presentation of some of the the characters of some of the um, is there like a voodoo magic kind of aspect to it? No. Uh, I know what I'm thinking. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it didn't feel like a historically accurate presentation. Which is funny because in most of the ways that I can think, like it's very historically accurate. Not 100%, obviously it is still a work of fiction, but they really do a lot of research into the details of it. The fact that the pirates were wearing like wooden dentures to scare people, like that was that was what they call um, pirate theater. Like they're trying to seem more intimidating Get than they naked. actually are. Well, yeah. But th- so they're trying to be intimidating so that way people don't put up a fight when they 
you know, when they try to take over their ships. So, I mean, that was all stuff that actually happened, that they try to seem much more fearsome than they really were. Uh, when I said getting naked, it was, do they get naked in this show? In Black Sails? Uh, yeah, sure. No, I mean, did the pirates ever strip down to yeah. threaten people? Okay. Oh, to threaten people, no. Yeah, I so when you said the wooden, t- other things that you mentioned, in uh, the for- the Lost Pirate Kingdom mm-hmm. in on Netflix, they talked about what you referenced as pirate theater, they didn't have the resources to have ship-to-ship combat like they presented. Like, yeah. you're going to lose your ship. There's no coming back from that. Yeah. Uh, so in order to make this go smoothly, yeah. they would create a sense of, um, well, they would try to evoke terror, right? And one of the cases, the captain said, everybody get naked, and then we're going to go on deck and like act like crazy people. So everybody looks over there and goes, what the? They're naked on deck, like... That like the uh, the true part that didn't even make the show is the part that seems like fiction. So now yeah. I'm realizing what confused me. I thought that I was looking at something that had a fantastical element in it with uh, black sails. Mm-hmm. Didn't understand that this is actually an historical representation, the only historical representation of a pirate thing that I've ever seen. It's not yeah. Peter Pan. It's not Pirates of the Caribbean. It's not magic. It is a work of fiction. Uh, it's, it, but it's actually historical fiction. Yeah, I and I did realize... tell you all of that, but that's totally okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When did they tell us that? I said I told you that throughout the pilot. Like I was telling you, even in our review. Oh, okay. Of it. So yeah, if I had you no listen idea. back through it, you'll see that I told you. I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> we totally didn't get it because I had Game of Thrones yeah. in my head. That yeah, at that's some true. point there's magic. So here was I the don't parallel know what I'm with it is that you have pirates mm-hmm. that are kind of competing to be let's call it a pirate king. It's not actually. a position but like to be the to be the pirate because they're competing over which takes which treasure they're going after Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the race for the throne and then you know winter is coming is actually civilization is coming Mm. so it's civilization is coming that's that's britain that's spain that's everyone who's trying to you know squash piracy yeah yes and that's what I learned about mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in the Forbidden Pirate Kingdom that I now want to see represented in dramatic fashion in Black Sails. And I'm very excited. So when we finish Better Call Saul, I'm going to either try to sell Elise on, I'm sorry, Breaking Bad, where I got to either sell her on Better Call Saul so that we could do El Camino and wrap that up and have her caught up in time for uh, Better Call Saul to actually be coming out or scrap it and say, all right, you're not that impressed by this. Uh, let's move on to Black Sails. Yeah, if she's not excited by the larger movements of Breaking Bad, I think that Better Call Saul may not be her show. It's it's very subtle, it's very slow, and only, I think, if you were a big fan of Breaking Bad, do you immediately just want to wait it out and see where they're going with it because they've impressed you and shown that they're worth yeah. waiting for. But if you weren't excited by Breaking Bad, I don't know. Like, I would just plan on watching Black Sails. I know I'm already, a, like, a big advocate. Put it in your queue, on your list. No, that's all <laughs> legit. I, I'm a little bit concerned that this might be how I found out, find out that um, uh, Elise just, like, isn't interested in shows... Or movies. Like, I always reference the movies. Mm -hmm. And the movies are the movies. Like, all the guys who love movies know the movies. Yeah. Uh, You know, you got to look at the... It's all the the blockbusters from Jaws onward, although I've never seen Jaws. It's hilarious. All the aliens and the Terminators and the Mm -hmm. so on. Terminator was the one I was thinking of. That's funny. Oh, yeah. And, like, Die Hard, obviously. For sure, right? Now, I'm sure she's seen none of the movies. And now I'm wondering, like, mm, is this just not ingrained? And you don't get, like... 
So am I on my own here? You get to introduce her to all of this. How exciting! I don't know. Breaking Bad's going over pretty not well. Flatly, yeah. not bad. She doesn't. She likes it. Maybe you let her drive with the next pick then. Okay, only if her next pick is Black Seals. Oh yeah. Okay, then plant the seed now. You've got time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, probably good time to go. Yeah, probably. Uh, thanks for taking a trip into the you know darkness with us yeah and you know what with the new season coming out guys tell us what you think of it pilots the podcast at gmail.com join the conversation we want to hear about it please yeah absolutely we're also available on twitter at pilots the pod on facebook pilots the podcast and on instagram at pilots the podcast now you always tell our listeners to continue listening wherever they prefer to listen to their podcast for me it's spotify where is it for you Spotify, yeah. That's absolutely my favorite platform now. Stitcher's been on the fritz, so... And Spreaker's off the list entirely. So, you know, if you liked Spreaker, well, you know, you're the only one, and sorry, we're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you probably haven't noticed. You probably haven't noticed. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's my favorite. But you know what? There are There's an entire list of places. So if you go to our website, pilotsthepodcast.com, um, we have all sorts of places where you can link uh, to get to wherever you do listen. So look for the icon that looks most familiar to you. Click there and you can subscribe. Yeah. And go like us on or follow us or whatever. Go do whatever it is people do on Instagram. I'm not sure. I'm a millennial and that's more of a you Gen, know, Z. Gen Z <laughs> locale. Uh, so I don't know. Probably a waste of your time. Uh, but go check it out and hit the button. <laughs> That makes you see more of the stuff that happens on there. Yeah, like, subscribe, review, rate, everything that you can do, where you can do it, and where you see us. We appreciate it. I'm Riker. And I'm Shmi. And this is Pilot. Pilot.